Welcome back to How to Be a Better DM. I am here, your co-host, Justin Lewis, with my co-host, Tanner Wayland. And before we get into anything else, let's dive right in with the warm-up for today's episode. So, Tanner, I want you to... Today, we're going to be talking about character creation. So, I want you to pick a bond, a flaw, a personality trait, and an ideal for a hypothetical tiefling artificer named Proaxius. Okay, so Troaxius, right? So, am I saying that right? Perfect. Yep. Um, okay, so Troaxius's uh, bond is—it's uh, actually his uncle. Um, it is his uncle Lysander. Let's go with the classic name. Um, <laughs> who, who actually helped him get into artificing? Uh, specifically, he. Uh, he kind of his uncle was into that as well, and he gave young uh, Troaxius a little mechanical uh, bird that actually kind of like you could wind it and it would hop around, and that kind of got his interest into all things, kind of like tinkering, like figuring out how things work and building things, uh, and so that's his bond, um, his uncle, and he kind of has that physical representation through that uh, little uh, kind of steampunk mechanical bird um his flaw is that he does not he's he gets upset when people don't give him permission um specifically like he's pleasant enough when you're doing something he doesn't care about or something he wants but if it's something uh that he's not a fan of he'll say it straight to you and he's not going to be pleasant or like cut corners or anything he's a little bit uh socially stunted that way uh right so he's kind of blunt is what you're saying blunt like blunt and also maybe a little unaware of how Mm. you ought to say those kind of things um his personality trait is i would just say uh boundless curiosity uh he is just into finding out how everything uh works why people think the way they do um, which also plays into his, you know, artificing kind of role. Like I picture him as someone who, you know, as everybody's talking, he's over at the clock, like the <laughs> family's heirloom clock, disassembling it. And then suddenly the family gets mad and he's like, what do you have against me? <laughs> you know? I uh, yeah. And then for the ideal, uh, his goal is to build... Uh, something that the whole world can just marvel at and come to see. He doesn't know what it is yet, uh, but he wants something that, um, in the same way he's fascinated by basically everything, everyone will come from, you know, all over to look at whatever it is in the town square, right? So that's kind of his ideal. Wow. Uh, that is such a cool character. Uh, I, I imagined him, uh, you know, they go to a family's house to get some information or whatever. Everyone's talking with the family like you described. He's taking apart the clock and then uh, they have to leave. So he just leaves without putting it back together. And they're like, what? And he's like, sorry, I got to go. And he, it's just like this clock. I think that's a, that was a very excellent character. So well done, Tanner. Um, thank, you, thank you, listener, for <laughs> yeah thank you listener for joining us uh, again on how to be a better dm uh, i'm here with my cohort tanner wayland who has 
as you heard, he is an expert dungeon master and character creationist. Is that is that the right term, Tanner? Sure. We'll, we'll call it that. <laughs> uh, well, as you heard today, we are talking about character creation. Uh, more importantly, how to explain character creation to your players. But before we get into that, as always, we have a couple of housekeeping items. we got to you know sweep the floor of the tavern, as, you, as, as it will. Um, first of all, we are planning and preparing for our one-shot coming up in September. We still have not released the date of that, so if you are interested, uh, make sure to click the link in the show notes because spots are filling up. I think we have either two or three spots filled up um, and Tanner actually will be the dungeon master. So, uh, um, Tanner, do you have any any idea on how many players you're looking to have in this one shot? Um, yeah, I think this one uh, I'm going to go for more than I typically do. I am shooting mm-hmm. for about five uh, players gotcha. at this point. Perfect. And uh, like I said, we will reveal the dates for that as soon as we uh, pick them out. <laughs> Um, second kind of announcement is we've toyed around with the idea of doing live shows and having kind of uh, the ability for you as a listener to join in and uh, be present while we record these episodes and uh, you know ask questions and, and kind of give back in the chat as it were. So if you're interested in that, reach out to us on Instagram at How to Be a Better DM and let us know if that's something you're interested in. If it is, we can easily let the URL for attending these episodes be available and you can watch and participate and hopefully help us create better content and answer some questions that are, you know, just plaguing the minds of thousands. Uh, But any other announcements you have, Tanner? Uh, No, honestly, that covered everything. Sure. Oh, and also, we haven't done this in a while, but is there anything particularly that you're kind of nerding out about or you're just super psyched about? Um... Well, I just got a new laptop. Uh, Ooh. Yes, uh, and and uh, I'll, I'll just come out and say I think I told you this before. Uh, I've been interested in you know game development in terms of like video games and yeah. stuff because uh, some of my siblings have expressed interest in that as well recently. And so yeah, that's what I'm kind of uh, working on right now, and it's very fascinating. Uh, and yeah, gives me something that I'm just interested in learning in addition to, you know, everything else. So yeah, it's me putting another thing on my plate, uh, just like I definitely (laughs) didn't need, but I'm excited. (laughs) I hear that. It's like, you're all like, uh, about three months ago, I was like, that's it. No more extra opportunities or or extra things. And then like the night after my friend was like, Hey, you want to do, you want to join us in this? Star Wars RPG, and I was like... Classic. Oh, crap. I, I didn't end up joining, but uh, this just goes to show you, whenever you're like, I have enough on my plate, something else comes up. But uh, let's get on to today's topic, which is character creation explained simply, plus maybe some extra tools that you can use in helping your players create the best characters. So first thing to say before we kind of really get into this is just... The goal of today's show isn't to explain to you how to create characters, because obviously you're a dungeon master, you know how to do that. And plus, that's obviously defined in the player's handbook. Today's goal, actually, is to attempt to help you simplify the process for your players. So it's essentially to help you help the newbiest of noobs start to play D&D. And that starts with character creation. 
And so we're going to kind of describe the different processes simply and then maybe give some tips or tools for helping you explain and work through that process with your players. And, and as you notice, the order we describe these is the same order described in D&D Beyond, though you can do it in different ways and we might recommend doing it in different ways. Uh, but let me also stress something else. Making the character and helping your players make the character and, and doing that process as an easy and fun activity is important because if your player does not get past character creation, they're never going to play. Uh, anything else you want to add before we start, Tanner? Uh, well, the only thing I would add is that character creation should be for new players, it should be just such a treat because if you leave it for them on their own, unless they're kind of how I was when I started out where I was like, I'm the kind of person who when I get interested in something, I'll just, I'll just binge all of the info that's on that. Right. I know other people who aren't like that, especially if it's someone who's like kind of a little anxious, a little nervous about joining and they're doing it because they're trying something new. Uh, or someone, you know, who frankly didn't want to and you finally convinced to be able to play. Uh, you need to make the character creation uh, process almost as fun as the actual game itself so that they can actually get into it. And so explaining each of these uh, different aspects of character, character creation um, in a way that's simple but also enjoyable and lets their imagination run wild, that's uh, kind of what we want to focus on. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, let's let's get right in with the first step, which is choosing your race. Yeah, let's go. Um, so with race, I had a few thoughts on this. Obviously, race um, in real world things is kind of a sticking uh, subject throughout all of <laughs> history ever. Uh, and the good news is, and also the interesting news with D, D is that you can choose how much of a role race plays right because uh, it, it function it functionally in character creation they typically give you some bonuses maybe like it'll determine how like the size of your character's mini right um but essentially that's like they can choose that and and i think more experienced players some of them might think more on the line of like oh what kind of uh, what kind of class am I building? Okay, let's get me something. Oh, I'm going to be a rogue. Let's look for something that's uh, you know got the stats that I want, right? Um, but like you know, some extra dexterity, things like that. Uh, however, I I'm just going to say this right now: you as the DM actually have the biggest, uh, I guess, the biggest role for. Uh, how much race plays a role in your campaign, right? Because uh, players, I mean, I've found that they kind of uh, fall into a few different camps, but the most prevalent are, one, they just kind of take the Tolkien-esque slash typical fantasy uh, stereotypes and they just run with it, right? If they're a dwarf, they'll be like, oh, I'm a dwarf and I like, you know, hammers and, and all this stuff and mining and beer, you know, and they, they're mm -hmm. just kind of stereotypical uh same for you know hobbits or halflings i guess right uh and and elves and everything else and orcs uh especially orcs right if anyone ever tries to play that they're gonna go immediately to that um so it's either people just kind of embracing that comfortable stereotype uh or they kind of disregard it and they'll just play however they want you know essentially treating the race as a as just a random 
kind of negligible factor in how they play the character and they'll just in a way that's great too because you're not uh just making your entire character around stereotype but there's nothing also wrong especially for a new player if they're like oh i want to be a dwarfy dwarf <laughs> you know it's yeah there's nothing wrong especially if they're playing the first time there's who are you to uh say oh that lacks a lot of nuance but okay you know it it just doesn't <laughs> make sense to do that however uh some players if they really are interested in that idea or if your campaign that you're making like race plays a key component uh, it's kind of on you to let your players know that, right? If you're like, hey, I'm doing dwarfs a bit, bit differently or I'm doing orcs a bit differently. Um, the, here's the history in my uh, campaign setting for them. Like some players would enjoy that direction so that they could actually incorporate that into their character, right? Yeah. If I can add kind of an example, um, in the High Rollers uh, YouTube channel, uh, they have a campaign called Eroes. Uh, which is an excellent uh, campaign. Uh, the dungeon master Mark Hilms, he, he in in the world of Roas, the orcs in that world aren't so much you know the bloodthirsty, uh, you know, green-skinned orcs from Warcraft, right? Instead, they're they're still kind of green-skinned. They're they're large, but they're seafaring, you know, and and they're kind of uh, these these more like pirate-esque orcish people, you know who are kind of beholden to the sea and they're travelers and they're, they're voyagers, which is kind of an interesting take on being an orc, right? Yeah, exactly. And I actually, that reminded me, I uh, at one point was listening to a podcast called uh, Friends at the Table and similar thing. The orcs were all librarians in kind of a secret society <laughs> dealio, right? And That's I thought cool. that was a cool idea. Uh but the main thing is that you're really going to want to know two things, I guess, if I were to boil it down. Uh, one, what role do you want as a DM uh, for the, what role do you want race to play in your campaign? Because if you're going to emphasize it, uh, as in like, oh, uh, like conflicts between the race or, you know, class struggles or, you know, uh, play into the stereotypes or break away from them in specific ways uh, then let your players know uh, while they do their character creation on the other hand if if you don't care too much and your players don't care too much you know don't don't worry too much about this right it is still in the end uh, fantasy um, just don't let any real racist stuff happen because I mean I none of my friends have ever had it happen but I've listened to enough stories on YouTube to know uh, it can, so just, uh, you know, uh, make sure everyone feels comfortable at the table. Agreed, agreed. Aside from choosing your race, you know, number two is your class, and that may have the second most amount of impact on your character, and it's going to help you define your character and how they interact in combat and in non-combat situations, as well as how others interact with you. Uh, so, you know, as, as a new player, choosing a class can be very confusing because especially someone who's never played D&D, &D, coming to a class, you might say, well, what's the difference between a fighter and a barbarian? And, uh, you know, as a DM, I like to ask my players questions like, how do you like to fight enemies? What would you like your character to be good at in and out of combat? Do you want to use magic? That one's a really, really good one because mm -hmm. sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. 
And then the follow-up question to that is how complex do you want your magic to be? And, and kind of a little aside here, you almost have to know your player a little bit. Like uh, <clears throat> I have a friend who is an excellent video gamer, right? And in our campaign, he has been playing a barbarian. And, I, you know, we recently switched out his barbarian for a new class, uh, for a new character. You know, he's a ranger now. And I could tell that that was obviously the, be the better choice because he naturally has a mind for complicated gameplay. You know, he's played lots of video games. He understands. And so seeing him just being a barbarian, raging and attacking, it's, a sim it's, it's somewhat simplistic. Um, so I, I could see that he was kind of stifled uh, under not being able to do so much uh, with magic and, and so forth, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. You know, I think that when when it comes to helping your friends, um, your players choose uh, classes, you kind of need to just be straight with them. Because if they don't know, it's like, hey, if you're this type of warrior, you know, without all these different feats that makes it more, um, mm -hmm. like different abilities and stuff that make it more interesting then you're going to essentially be going attacking a few times it's it's great if you like just kind of overpowering and just kind of simple gameplay um mm -hmm. if you want more complicated i uh, go for the wizard and just if you present it like that i think some people can actually know enough about themselves to also be like oh i would like either something in the middle or something simple or complicated mm -hmm. or whatever right a uh, good point. for sure and you can actually even like hone it in a little bit more and you know say like are you okay with getting one attack during combat or do you want more or you know what video games do you like to play if any and how do your how does your character regard deity um, you can kind of you know dig deeper there are questions though that I think can waste some time um, you know these are questions like what do you want your character to be able to do because I found whenever I ask that question they just say like kill things you know or, or what what contributions do you see your character making and and that's just so general and vague that they're not really sure especially a, a new player um so I, if they're new i would kind of move towards binary questions so like would you rather be more stealthy or more uh defensive you know like have more armor because those are natural other you know natural opposites on a spectrum you either are really stealthy or you generally have lots of armor obviously obviously you can be in the middle um but kind of you, you know what i mean yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? And I think that uh, you'll really... Uh, the good news about the class is that I think you'll mostly just have to explain it uh, for the first time that a player is playing because once they get mm -hmm. into a campaign, you know, they're going to learn pretty quick what the other players do, uh, what, you know, in their classes specifically, and then their own. And then from there, uh, if they don't like their class, here's the great news. Like, they can always um, find either a story reason to switch. <laughs> you know, that's totally mm -hmm. acceptable. Uh, or, you know, j you just have their character leave and start a new one. But I think for players that have been playing for a bit, they'll, they'll honestly, they won't need the whole explanation about different classes, right? For sure. For sure. Uh, the next portion is the abilities portion, and that's determined kind of your character's natural abilities as well as how your race and class and honestly I don't know if race is the right word maybe species might be better but how your how your race and class choices affect those abilities and you know this is kind of from a narrative sense you could say it's kind of assessing your genetics and upbringing and how those affect your character 
So simply put, if everything you do were split into six categories, how good would your character be in those six categories? And actually, that's essentially how D&D works. Uh, so I would actually use that to explain to someone who's playing D&D for the first time, say, hey, everything that you're going to do in this game is split into six categories, strength, dexterity, charisma, intelligence, wisdom, and constitution. And I can explain a little bit more about how to do that. Um, but there are three methods <clears throat> to helping your players kind of determine those scores and each has its pros and cons there's point by system manual roll and standard array uh, most people end up picking the roll method so that's just what I'm going to talk about here that's where you get four d6s and then roll them take the highest three numbers add those together write those down and then do that six times uh, and then you you know assign each of those scores to the individual categories and you're going to adjust those scores based on the advantages given in previous choices uh, Honestly, what I personally like to do is I actually like to roll these before doing anything else uh, because, and, and maybe this might be a little bit more complicated for the new D&D player, but I like to roll these before doing anything else because then at least you see what options you have available and that can help you because, I mean, we've talked about it before. No one, well, min-maxing has its place, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't be placed higher in higher priority than the story, but you don't want a character that's just bad, right? You work eight hours a day. You spend time with your family, and when you come home, you do work around the house. And it seems that you never have as much time as you would like to prepare for your D&D sessions. Does this sound like you? Wouldn't it be amazing to have endless material prepared for your D&D sessions anyways? That's where Roll and Play Press comes in. Roll and Play Press provides D&D 5e compatible material for any type of session. Running a one-shot? Check out their One-Shot Wonders book with over 100 one-shot ideas. Getting started with a new sci-fi campaign? Get their Game Master's Sci-Fi Toolkit to have your games much more prepared with much less effort. Why reinvent the wheel? Check out Roll and Play Press at rollandplaypress.com, see what they have to offer, and get a 10% discount when you buy something by using the code BETTERDM10, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-D-M-10, at checkout. Give yourself just a little bit extra help so that you can continue being the world's greatest dungeon master. Uh, so... You know, having those scores before, beforehand and being able to say, okay, I want this type of, you know, bonus from my race, this type of class and these types of abilities or, or skills thanks to my class because of these scores that I'm choosing. That's kind of how, how I like to go about it. A any thoughts, Tanner? Yeah, I, I think just uh, really pointing out to your uh, players the connection between uh, the abilities and the skills will really add a lot to their um to their experience right because otherwise i i don't know about you but like it always becomes a game of okay what's the main one i want cool that's mm -hmm. the highest one and then what's yep. the second one i want cool maybe i've got a racial bonus or whatever that helps bump that up so that's also high and then the other ones are kind of like yeah whatever but if it instead right. becomes like hey look at this close connection between the two what of these skills do you want to do better? 
it becomes a little bit less ambiguous than just the abilities. So yeah, that's that's something that's helped uh, me and help uh, other players I know uh, kind of get more meaning out of uh, the ability scores beyond those first two categories, right? Right. Um, I also realized that like for a new D&D player, the character creation portion might not feel too much like D&D because you, you don't really roll dice except for this moment. So putting it at the beginning might be awesome just to help them feel like they're playing even a little bit, even though you haven't technically started playing yet. Um, but also going back to, you know, number two, having them think about the answers to those questions you asked, like what does my player like to do for the group in you know when they're not in combat or how does my player interact in combat that can really help them understand you know maybe i need more dexterity because they want to shoot bows and arrows and things like that and and uh you know help them kind of figure all that out i would say in this step though make sure you have lots of paper because you'll probably be writing lots of stuff down if you're not using D beyond which you probably should but uh let's take a small break uh, and actually go back to our first warm-up that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Tanner, we're going to come back to Troaxius. Uh, I want you to describe a situation in which the ideal of the character that you created uh, is challenged in some way. You know, the ideal that they want to create some sort of invention or, or machination that benefits the world. That ideal is challenged by the flaw, bond, or personality trait that you came up with. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to say it's his bond. I'm going to go uh, with his uncle. Now, while you might think that his uncle would be on board, his uncle actually uh, was not someone who really wanted him to go uh, crazy into artificing. He wanted him to stay home with, you know, with his, uh, with Atraxius' mother, you know, to to stay home and actually be there with uh with the whole family uh, and actually help with just the local uh family business right uh and so then when uh Traxius had this ideal of like hey i'm gonna go out i'm gonna learn i'm gonna build this thing that's just amazing uh he actually got a lot of pushback and kind of broke his uh his uncle's heart to some extent uh just being like hey you you're meant to be here and Troaxius was like, no, I'm meant to be out there doing something great. So kind of the classic, uh, you know, uh, thing where he's just uh, going against his family's wishes to pursue his ideal, and that kind of uh, breaks up that connection, right? Wow, that is that. That's a really good uh, scenario, and and I think one of the reasons why that is so good is because you can easily as a dm involve that to create conflict uh, whether it's traxis is writing letters home and getting no response or they continually write letters to traxis saying hey you're never going to amount to anything or, or you know however you want to take it that's just a constant source for conflict to help you know cause the player through the character or the character through the player to make choices and kind of change you know yeah ex exactly uh, I also like it because, honestly, any of those... I, I chose Bond because I found that was most interesting to me at the moment. But you, the, but there could be any... Like, the flaw, I could have found a way. In fact, I've thought about it since. There's a way to turn that into something that would conflict with his ideal. Uh, same for personality mm -hmm. trait. 
And I think that that's where you get a lot of the character, uh, kind of the dynamic character moments, is when you make sure to kind of pit those against each other as a DM, right? So, yeah, great point. I love that. Uh, Well, moving on, number four in the character creation process is the description. Uh, You know, this is is really what informs the storytelling more than anything else, and I highly encourage... Uh, you to encourage your players to really flesh out this this section because uh, it it helps not only the players themselves imagine, but also it helps their players help the other players imagine the character that they are playing uh, because you want everyone to be immersed. So I would encourage you to ask your character or your players questions like, you know, instead of just saying what does your face look like, ask questions like what color are your eyes. How much do you smile? How big is your nose? How thick are your eyebrows? Wrinkles in your face or smooth skin? Piercing scars? Facial hair? Severe cheekbones or, or kind of baby-faced? Uh, you can ask all sorts of these questions. You can go on and on. And honestly, it can get tedious. So uh, what I would say is, you know, pick the most prominent features. And, and imagine you're kind of describing a character to a, subs- a suspect sketch artist, like at a, at a police station. You need to be able to identify them from a crowd. So you're going to pick out the things that are identifiable, the things that kind of stand out. Uh, But moving on, going from just simple physical description, you want to describe their nature and their history. And uh, actually, that's kind of why we were talking about in the warm-up and the break today, we were talking about ideals, bonds, flaws, and personality traits. And this is is kind of how I would describe each to a player. For a personality trait, I would say, if you were going to hang out with your character for a week, what one thing would you say about them that kind of sticks out just while you're hanging out, uh, chilling in your house with them? And then about your flaw, I would explain this, and I would say, if you are your character's roommate, what annoying thing do they do that just annoys you the most about them? And then their ideal is, if you had to summarize this character, what basic life-guiding principle would, would you ascribe to them, or, or kind of what's their aspiration? And, and their bond is, naturally, if this character were wanting to settle down anywhere, what force would pull them or stop them from doing that? So if they were going to go somewhere else, or a specific location, what would essentially stop them from doing that or pull them in another direction? And obviously those aren't perfect, but hopefully that helps you narrow it down into the right ballpark. Um, But I'd say having those are incredibly important because, uh, more than anything, they help you create, like I said, conflict. They they help help your players put themselves in situations in which story can naturally happen because they're character-driven. Uh, and anything yeah. you want to add, Tanner? Yeah, I, I, I think that that's, uh, that's great. Like, especially, I think both aspects are so important. Uh, not The physical and kind of getting get nitty-gritty with that uh, can help them visualize this person as, as an actual character. And the reason why I think that's important is because I think most people will go towards a couple specific places when they start with character creation. They'll probably think about... And maybe not all of the aspects of the characters, like the ideals, bonds, flaws, personality traits. They might not think about all of them, but they'll probably think about a few things, right? That That's probably going to be the key mm-hmm. of their character next to their class is like, okay, he's going to be this kind of annoying or he's going to have this kind of like personality trait. Uh, you know, especially if you're somewhat, if you have a player that's very charismatic or creative they might think of any number of those things but then it's just kind of an amorphous character that is like one personality trait you know and it gets a little bland yeah uh and so making them go through the 
occasionally wrote step of of like actually describing everything about how they look i think that that really helps them look beyond making a flat uh you know 2d character that that doesn't have uh too much depth or past or or history right for sure and actually speaking of history uh this is also the step in which you help your player pick their background and i used to I used to kind of uh, just give a full list of backgrounds, and, and you can honestly do that for players who are more experienced, but for for noobs, uh, what I would recommend is just saying, how did your character grow up? And then have them kind of start going through that story, and if they haven't figured it out, just kind of say like, well, um, you know, where are your character's parents right now? And that should hopefully help them figure out, well, they don't know their parents or they do know their parents and they lived in this town. And, and from there, you can kind of extrapolate their background and then give them a few options. Um, some people choose backgrounds based on what perks it gives you, but I generally encourage my players to pick their backgrounds based on the, the narrative backgrounds um, just because I feel like that makes the most sense. Um, but yeah. after that, you you move unless you want to add anything else, Tanner. Uh, no, yeah, I I would just add that um, if people are having a hard time choosing a history for their uh, for their character, kind of really delve into the bond section and just be like, hey, mm. what kind of allies or people do you know throughout the world? You know, that for good and bad, and have them just kind of come up with a few. You know, it could be three, could be four. Yeah. Um, maybe like, okay, do they have a personal uh, nemesis? And we're not talking like, oh, burned your family down or anything. Like, But mm-hmm. just like, was there someone that you kind of had a grudge with when you're younger? Um, uh, do you have someone that, you know, just like a business friend that you would buy stuff from? Like doing all this helps your player realize like, okay, they hate, they've been places before they can expect to go places going forward and meet these people and they need something to talk about. So I've got to actually work out this, this whole history thing. Right. Awesome. I love that. Um, I, I'd never really thought about like digging into the, the bond. I think that's a really excellent, uh, piece of advice. And the last piece of creating your character is, is equipping them. So Tanner, uh, walk us through that. Yeah. So if you're like, we said at the start, this is kind of aimed at starting players and there's a couple things to keep in mind typically with care with equipping your characters there's going to be one of two ways to do it one and this is very popular you know you have starter gear kind of just built in with your class uh your race you know just dependent on the choices you've cho- chosen before this there's certain things that you have options to choose right um Mm-hmm. And you can find lists for those, you know, but they'll typically have like a weapon, you know, some armor, some uh, some various uh, like kits and things like that. And you can cho- and it kind of just makes you choose like tool sets and stuff like that. Uh, just kind of rounds you out as a character is not going to give you like anything crazy out of the ordinary, uh, but is going to get the job done. And personally, I'd recommend that for new players. Because the other option is where you kind of just have starting gold, and that's dependent uh, by class, right? Um, mm-hmm. For example, the artificer, like uh, Troaxius. Uh, 
like the artificer starts with 5d4 times 10 uh, gold pieces. That's kind of like their start. And so that you mm-hmm. could have more or less depending on how you roll. Um, and then if you choose to equip yourself with with that method, you kind of just go down the list, you know, and like just buy whatever with the amount of gold you have. <laughs> and and there's some um, that works well for someone who's more experienced, maybe has some specific ideas. But for a new player, I, I don't recommend that at all. They'll see a huge list. They won't think about certain things and then they'll just kind of uh feel a little bit uh lost you know i i don't know what do you think justin i i think you're exactly right i mean it also depends on your skill as a dungeon master um and how detailed you are about equipment um because there are i've played with dungeon masters who don't really give a rip about what's in an explorer's pack um, they don't really care about certain sundry items too much. Um, so if if you're able to really be so detailed-oriented that you can be like, oh, you didn't buy that, you don't have it, uh, then yeah, I'd say definitely go with that. Um, and if you know your players can also be that way. But doing the standard, you know, standard equipment is just, it's just plain easy. And if you're level one, then... You know, if you don't have that equipment, then I would say you're technically level zero, because yeah. you know what's a what's a paladin without their shield and sword, or or a barbarian without their great axe. You know? Yeah, and a couple things I want to just harp on here with equipment. One, uh, there will be some players who will want to do the starting gold thing, <laughs> and they'll want to just get a very you know maybe not even starting gold, like regardless of ha- the typical equipment, they'll be like hey, could I have this one really cool item? And my character just has it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and especially at level one, that's, you know, that's not great. Now, as levels continue, right, and as players come in mid, uh, mid-campaign, mid that's more likely to happen, right? They're not going to have just the starting mm-hmm. uh, equipment, and that's totally fine. But at the start of the campaign, if you have any players being like, hey, I want, you know, the Vorpal played like right out of the get-go you know (laughs) and i'm gonna say right now it's you're going to while it might seem like you're gonna bum them out by saying no like think about it one of the best things about this game is beating a dungeon or an enemy or Mm -hmm. you know doing whatever and then getting equipment thanks again for listening to our show if you like our content and would like to engage with more of it head over to our instagram account at how to be a better DM and give us a follow. Make sure to watch some of our Dungeon Master Rules videos while you're there to give yourself some more structure and procedure as a Dungeon Master. Also, don't forget to reach out with a DM and we can talk shop and I can get to know you a little bit better. Thanks again for listening. If they already have the best sword they're going to get, they're not gonna care. You know, they're they're not gonna mm-hmm. care about all those, about a huge portion of the game, which is that kind of random finding of things uh that's coming up for them so you really need to think about the progression and their enjoyment in the campaign and don't just roll over because they really want that super cool item you know like that's there's a reason why most uh dms and honestly the the manual suggests this as well if they're if a player is going to have something in addition to the starting equipment 
typically it's going to be like one personal item that doesn't have a mechanical mm -hmm. like uh, benefit at all. It's just something to do with their character. So with your players, really let them know. It's like, hey, at the start of the campaign, I'm not going to let you just kind of choose whatever. Unless, of course, they're more experienced and they're not going crazy, obviously. And they do the gold buy mm -hmm. uh, system. But just let them know and be like, hey, I'll give you some good stuff later. You just got to trust me, right? <laughs> um, and I, I, I can even see that, you know, you can give your players, like, some sort of magical item. Just as long as it's kind of, it has very specific use cases and it's not overpowered. Like, um, you know, in, in Critical Role Campaign 2, you see the Wand of Smiles or whatever. That's a very specific use case. You're not going to see that very often used uh, where it just makes people smile for no reason yep. um, I, I don't know how you could use that too often for some sort of advantage but I, I would be okay giving my players like one of those each mm. uh, just to give them a little spice uh, but just as long as it doesn't break the yeah game. that's that's a great point and uh, oh yeah there was something I wanted yeah so another thing and you kind of brought this up earlier uh, there's some DMs who frankly don't talk about you know Okay, did you pull out a torch? Okay, mark that, you know, mm -hmm. thing. Or like, oh, do you have 50 foot of rope to tie that person up with? You know, they, they don't. <laughs> My yeah. favorite is crossbow bolts. Yeah, do you have the crossbow bolts? Do you have, uh, okay, you guys have been traveling all day to the location. Do you have, you know, some rations? Like, they don't, mm -hmm. they don't play like that. Uh, and if that's the kind of game you want, then you know that's that's fine. In that case, maybe the, uh, you know, you just assume they started with starter equipment, uh, or not, and you're like, I'm just gonna kind of hand wave that stuff. I don't need to check if they have a bedroll, you know. Um, right. Now I'm gonna encourage some people, even if your typical campaign isn't like that, uh, you know, try shaking it up. Like maybe like. Not for the whole campaign. Maybe if you do a one-shot or a specific section uh, or, like, kind of arc of your campaign, consider, you know, doing that and actually, like, really accounting for their provisions. Because I think that uh, players would also get a kick out of that as well. So long as it's not, you know, it, it, they might enjoy it for a stretch of time. If it looks like they're getting annoyed, move past it. But I think it's a good way to change things up if you haven't been accounting for equipment already. Agreed. Um, just hearing you talk about that made me think of a few different scenarios that you know I, I want to try um, and kind of got me excited for starting new campaigns. But <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, well, well, there you have it, uh, listener. We uh, We went through the character creation process and hopefully helped you figure out how to work through the process with someone who's never done it before uh, in such a way that they're excited to play, they're not bored, and uh, they really, like Tanner said, they've opened up their creativity and imagination and thought of something new and, and that excites them. Uh, so thank you for joining us again here at the Tavern. Uh, we're, we're, we're always happy to come here and have these conversations. And like I said, if you're wanting to have these conversations with us and uh, actually be you know here live, not, not in person, but be online live while we are talking and uh, participate that way, let us know. Um, again, thank you so much for all the support. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see things growing week after week and uh, just you know being able to give you guys more help and hopefully better content 
Um, if you guys have any pointers on what we should say or what we shouldn't say, again, reach out to us. Um, Tanner, any any final parting words for our, our listener? Uh, honestly, you guys are going to do great. You're going to make so many wonderful characters. Yeah, that's it. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another great episode of How to Be a Better DM. Until then, my friend, let's go ahead and roll initiative. <laughs>